Welcome to Moving the Needle, casual conversations about ways, big and small, to impact student learning. Brought to you by the Faculty Center for Teaching and Learning at the University of Maryland, Baltimore. I'm Erin Hager. Let's move the needle. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Moving the Needle. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think there's any puzzle more fun to solve than curriculum. Getting a group of people with their different backgrounds and abilities across the same finish line, grounding them in what's currently known while recognizing that knowledge is going to change, and preparing these students for fields that might not even exist yet? I mean, come on. It's incredible when you think about it. And of all the curricular puzzles out there, the one we're going to talk about today is a 5,000-piece, double-sided, single-color kind of puzzle. Just so complex and interesting. It's the first in the nation medical cannabis science and therapeutics degree out of the School of Pharmacy, and its curriculum design was led by our guest today. Dr. Leah Serra is the co-program director for the nation's first graduate studies and medical cannabis program at the School of Pharmacy. Dr. Serra graduated with her PharmD from the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy in 2010. She is a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist who is often invited to speak on her areas of focus, pain management, palliative medicine, and cannabis therapeutics. She received a Leader in Healthcare Award in the category of medical cannabis from the Baltimore Business Journal in 2020. Leah also, and this comes into play in our conversation today, earned a Master's in Instructional Systems Development at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Leah, welcome to Moving the Needle. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Why don't we start way back at the beginning and you orient us a little bit into how the medical cannabis science and therapeutics degree came to be? What drove its development? The program initially was conceived by uh, our previous dean, Dr. Natalie Eddington, uh, and it came into being because in Maryland, the medical cannabis program was really taking off. It was rapidly evolving. And at the same time, there have been a number of, of articles published, surveys of healthcare professionals um, indicating that this topic, medical cannabis, wasn't taught in health professionals' curricula, um, but that clinicians wanted to know more about it because patients are asking them about it. And so that was really the impetus for us to start thinking about this program. I became involved because uh, I I wanted to. I asked my department chair to, um, you know, to put in a, a good word for me with the dean, thought maybe I could teach a class in the program. And then after uh, speaking to the dean about some of my ideas, I was luckily given the opportunity to lead the development and implementation of the program as a program director. Wow. Um, it's really interesting that you, it could really be considered a patient-driven program, that the, the patients were asking the health providers and the health providers said, we need this. Absolutely. And that's reflective, I think, of medical cannabis as a whole and how it's evolved in this country. You know, it certainly hasn't evolved because of the medical field as we traditionally think of how uh, how medicine evolves. Um, it's really been very much a, a patient-driven or a people-driven. Yeah, so interesting. So when you thought about kind of the landscape that you were given when when this uh, program was being conceptualized, what what kinds of puzzle pieces were you trying to fit together as you thought about this curriculum? 
Starting from, you know, the very beginning, you know, I have a background in instructional design. So it was, you know, very good opportunity for me to kind of put my education into practice. It really was about what's the what's the gap? You know, what should we teach? What's missing? And this, you know, was a little bit more challenging uh, for us because there was a template for us for this program. There was no other program like this um, that we could say, well, what what is, uh, you know, another university doing or what's another program doing? So um, we had to really start from the beginning and think about, you know, things like who is our Who's our target audience? What is our teaching philosophy? What's what's our why? Why are we doing this? Um, what is our te- teaching methodology? Um, how are we going to implement this? Um, what are our kind of external constraints? You know, what are um, the administrative constraints that we have? Uh, what are the curricular constraints that we have because of the t- you know our topic is not a traditional a topic and a lot of non traditional things about teaching cannabis. Um, so really was starting from, you know, literally the ground up and figuring out all of those things. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to put together. Maybe we can break some of those out, um, piece by piece. So who did you see as your target learners? So it really evolved. And I would say that this was one of the things that we decided on very early and really drove, I think, the the development and continues to drive the evolution of our program in that even though this program kind of came into being based on, you know, what we thought the needs of clinicians or healthcare professionals might be, we quickly realized after, you know, talking, you know, to some you know, to so, some other uh, stakeholders and and trying to get just some thoughts and opinions from people in the field that the education really was needed in a much broader audience than just healthcare professionals because, you know, this field isn't just made up of, of healthcare professionals. It's made up of people with a lot of different academic and professional backgrounds, and none of them have this training in their, you know, uh, college curricula either. So we decided pretty early on in the development to make this accessible to as broad an audience as possible. Um and uh, that had, as you could probably imagine, major implications for how we teach some very challenging concepts in in you know the medical field. Yeah. So how did you how did you approach that? We approached it, you know, from a two prong standpoint. We needed to you know make challenging scientific concepts accessible to people who may not have a science background. You know, if we were going to accept people into the program who hadn't taken, you know, a chemistry course since high school and teach them medicinal chemistry and pharmacology, we had to teach those concepts from the ground up. And similarly, if we were going to take non-clinicians and teach them how to evaluate medical literature, we had to include the basic building blocks in our curriculum and not make any assumptions about what people came into the program with because we didn't require any specific prerequisite courses or courses of study. Um, someone could, you know, can be accepted into the program if, as long as they have a bachelor's degree uh, in any field. So, you know, if they have a bachelor's degree from 1992 and 
Russian literature, then they can still be accepted into this program, you know, assuming they're otherwise, you know, good candidates. So we had to figure out how to teach that. And luckily we have very, you know, our science faculty are incredibly talented in that department at making that very accessible. The other uh, side of this is we also want clinicians and healthcare professionals, you know, in our, in our program. And so we needed to make sure that the content was also challenging uh, so that they wouldn't be, be bored. Um, and so we did that by, um, you know, creating different uh, levels of assignments, providing different uh, opportunities for more experienced students or those who wanted, you know, maybe more of a challenge to dig deeper into the topic. Um, and, and although our approach has, you know, evolved, you know, a little bit in, in some of the, some of the details of the coursework, I think overall it's been very successful. And what we found is that students really benefit from that diversity in, in the classroom because, they are working with students who may have had very different professional, academic, or life experiences from them, and that just makes the learning experience um, much richer for everybody involved. One of these puzzle pieces sounds like a very diverse group of learners with a wide variety of background and background knowledge coming into the program. Um, but also the topic itself is very new. And the, the levels of evidence around the field of medical cannabis have obviously been restricted. Can you, can you talk a little bit about sort of where the state of the, the medical cannabis literature was as this program was getting off the ground and how that impacted its design? We knew that because the medical evidence that surrounds cannabis is, you know, it continues to evolve rapidly, you know, and there, there, there is, you know, a fair amount of clinical evidence. There's also been a lot of, you know, preclinical studies that have been done on um, cannabis and, and related topics. And also, you know, there has been a lot of clinical evidence. I'm not necessarily here in the United States, but outside the United States. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I think was uh, that, that drove the timing of developing this program was the publication of a systematic review by the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. Um, in 2017, that was an extremely comprehensive uh, systematic review and, and ultimately concluded that there was evidence for the medical use of cannabis in several medical conditions. But we can't just teach our students what we already know. We have to prepare them to be able to interpret the evidence as it comes along. And that's why um, teaching them the process of evidence-based medicine became a, a really critical concept, you know, underpinning a lot of what we do in, in the program, um, teaching them, you know, how to appraise different types of articles in the medical literature. Those are, you know, how to, and how to identify reliable resources online, how to communicate what you know to different audiences, to, um, to legislators, to um, healthcare professionals and to patients. Um, and those are skills that, you know, will transcend, you know, what the state of the evidence is now when you're in the program now and allow you um, to, you know, continue to 
learn and and explore the evidence as it evolves, which it, you know, will continue to do because this field is maybe more than some other fields, you know, as I've said, really rapidly evolving in terms of what we know about cannabis and medicine. Yeah. I think that's such an important lesson for anybody thinking about curriculum to take away. Is what, what are the skills that are going to be evergreen, no matter the, the changes or the evolutions in the content itself and the evidence uh, for what you're teaching? How can you prepare your students to, to evaluate information, to assess it, to find it, to communicate it um, well beyond you know, the lifespan of whatever specific content uh, might be in your coursework? Absolutely. I love that term evergreen. I think that's, it's just, it gives the students, you know, something beyond, you know, something to carry with them beyond what they have learned. Um, and it allows this degree to kind of keep on giving, um, even as their own professional career, you know, takes them in, you know, one place or another. So we've got the diversity of learners. We've got the ever-changing landscape of the evidence itself. Um, and, and you just mentioned briefly this idea of speaking with legislators, right? We've got this legislative context um, around there. How did, how did that impact the design of the curriculum, the, the legal landscape, the legislative part of this? Um, well, it, it impacted the curriculum in a number of ways and, and continues to impact the curriculum. This is a topic which, especially considering we're a public university and we receive you know, federal funding and our students are eligible for federal financial aid, um, that we need to be careful about you know, how we present topics um, and how we teach about what is still a schedule one substance. It's a, it's a federally illegal substance, you know, for however long it, it remains, uh, we shall see, but at the moment that's still the case. Um, and so we don't do any hands-on, we don't have any cannabis in the program. There are no hands-on experiences. Um, we don't have some topics in our curriculum, like, um, how to run a cannabis business. Um, and, um, so it has uh, impacted our ability to to teach some topics, um, but you know, it's given us also an opportunity to focus on what is important in our wheelhouse um, as a school of pharmacy, um, and and that is the patient. As you, as you said, you know, this is a patient driven idea, and patients remain at the center of of, of everything that we teach in the program. So things like, you know, obviously the clinical topics, you can kind of draw a direct line to patient care and impacting patients, but also the science, you know, understanding the science, understanding the different policies and how they are made and how you might influence the development of policy in the future. Those are all things that come back to improving the lives of patients. Um, and so those are the things that we've focused on cultivating, so to speak, uh, in our curriculum. Yeah. So there's an advocacy component, it sounds like, as well. Absolutely. We, we started off in the original curriculum, we had uh, an elective and still have an elective um, that 
um, focuses on, you know, federal and state laws and policies. But a couple of years ago, we added a new elective on medical cannabis advocacy. Um, it was developed by um, Debbie Chergai, who's, who was at the time the executive director of Americans for Safe Access, which is, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, patient advocacy nonprofit um, related to medical cannabis in the United States. Um, and that you know, takes just knowing about the, the laws and policies one step further to teach students how to translate that knowledge into, you know, you know, action at the, you know, federal, state, local level. Another one of those evergreen skills that no matter how the landscape changes, there will always be a need for advocacy in one form or another. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so great. Um, what were some of the surprises uh, that you dealt with as you were designing this curriculum? For me, I think that the biggest surprise really occurred kind of during the first couple of years of, of implementing the program, and that was the importance of kind of the co-curricular aspects of program development, um, things like creating the culture of the program, things like uh, setting you know expectations and professionalism and how to engage students with faculty and, and engage them with each other. Um, the importance of activities that bind students together, like, you know, like student organizations uh, and things like that. You know, the curriculum itself, of course, is central to our program, but the those co-curricular things that uh, I think are what give, you know, a program its sort of staying power um, and helps it evolve and helps it improve over time. Um, and so that was an has been an incredible learning experience for me and, and helps, I think, us as faculty and program directors really feel like we're in partnership with, you know, with our students um, because, you know, in just a couple short years, I'll go from students to being colleagues and, you know, one of the things that I think exemplifies that more than anything else is that we've been happy to bring back alumni to help teach in our program um, and to create this kind of network of uh, students and alumni that are all working toward this common goal of, you know, helping patients through learning about medical cannabis. That idea of co-curricular is so interesting. And I don't think we mentioned earlier that that this is a an online program. And so that idea of student student connections with each other, student connections with the faculty takes on a different dimension when they are working primarily asynchronously. So how did you what did you implement to create that culture? Some of those uh, things were, were were built a little bit into the curriculum for the beginning, but have evolved things like our symposium, where even though we are an online, primarily online program, we do require that students come to campus once a semester for, you know, for a symposium that includes workshops and seminars and opportunities to network with each other, with the faculty, with uh, professionals in the field, with alumni. Um, and so that's that's evolved and, and um, in, in different ways as, you know, our different cohorts kind of tell us what they want out of that activity. 
but also smaller things like um, adding office hours, you know, live online office hours, you know, in, into our courses so that it's not, everything's not asynchronous. They're, they're optional, um, they're recorded, uh, but it's an opportunity for students who want to engage with the faculty um, to, to do so where it's not just an email, where you can see someone, you know, on a computer screen at least. Um, and so that's been, I think, a big thing that we've gotten very good feedback from, um, uh, from the students about. Our student organization has been a huge one, um, and that's been very successful. Um, and they work with alumni. They have um, networking events on their own. They, have, um, they invite professionals um, to give you know, uh, workshops and seminars to the students. They have study study hours. So those things have been really big in helping to, um, you know, as I said, build the kind of the culture of our, of our program and what it means to be a student in, you know, our medical cannabis science and therapeutics program. How are you um, evaluating and adapting the program going forward? What kind of inputs are you getting? How are you putting that all together in the stew and, and making, you know, changes in and, uh, modifications as things go forward? Since we launched the program in 2019, um, there have been a number of changes to the curriculum. Some of them are, you know, more administrative, like we broke up, you know, a three credit longitudinal course into three one credit courses. But most of the changes that we've made to the curriculum have been about, um, personalizing the student experience, you know, in, I guess, individualizing the student academic experience and the student curriculum um, and responding to what the students say they, they want to learn. And for us, that has meant um, um, adding, you know, different elective opportunities um, to, to the program, things like, um, like the advocacy course that I mentioned, um, things like an um, integrative health and wellness elective. We've added a medical psychedelics elective that's going to run for the first time um, in just a couple of weeks this spring. Um, so it's been great for us to take feedback from the students and incorporate it in, into the curriculum and um, because, you know, the students are the ones who are telling us, you know, here's what I here's what I want to learn. Here's what's going to be helpful to me as I navigate, you know, my way, you know, through this industry after graduation. Here's what I want to know, um, and so that's been uh, how we evolved the program over the last few years. Yeah, it's almost taking that patient-centered approach and kind of bringing it full circle. The you know the patients kind of drove the development of this by asking for it, and then you're continuing that that loop by taking the input of the students who are hearing presumably from patients and colleagues about what's going to propel them forward. Absolutely. So Leah, if you were going to talk to uh, someone in academia, program director, program chair, uh, who was thinking about pioneering a new program um, that was really on the cutting edge, the way yours was back in 2019, um, what, what advice would you give them? Yeah. First, I think it's, uh, you know, the most important thing is to have the support of your administration. And we were really lucky because as many potential roadblocks as there could have been for a program like ours, you know, we really had very consistent support, not only from our 
you know, school of pharmacy administration, of course, um, but also from the university, um, you know, and the Maryland High and Higher Education Commission. And um, so that's important. And the way that you do that, I think, um, is that you as, you know, the, the potential program director, leader of the program, um, need to kind of do your homework and your research, find out, you know, what is the need for the program? Who is the target audience? What else is out there in terms of potential competition? And how are you different? Um, and then once you have an idea of, of all of that and maybe a general idea for your curricular structure, um, get people excited about it. You know, be passionate, understand your why. Once you get people excited about it, then, you know, hopefully all of the, the pieces will start to fall into place. Yeah. Well, what is exciting to you going forward? Some small things and some potential larger things, you know, as an instructional designer by training, the, the iterative, iterative changes that you make to a curriculum are, are very satisfying to me. Things like, you know, taking that student feedback and adding a new elective or, or making changes to improve specific courses within the existing curriculum. Um, those are all things that I enjoy, but from a, you know, a, a more, you know, kind of a, a larger, you know, more 30,000 foot view. I think that it seems likely now that there are some changes coming um, to this field um, in the way that cannabis is regulated that may, um, you know, open up some more doors for us in terms of um, topics that were um, able to, to teach in our curriculum, um, things that we're able to do, perhaps adding things like externships or internship experiences. Uh, so the, the future is bright. I'm really excited about what we're going to be doing in the next, you know, three to five years. Oh, well, I'm excited for you. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be here with us today. This is a fascinating curriculum on so many different levels. And it's, you know, to kind of see it being built literally from the ground up has just been uh, an exciting part of, of my work here at UMB. So thank you for taking the time to share with all of us. Uh, well, thank you for inviting me. And Aaron, thank you for all your help because, you know, because you were there from the beginning, you know, that I couldn't have done it without you. So I'm forever grateful to you for all of your help getting this program up and running back in 2019. Thank you for joining us today on Moving the Needle. Visit us at umaryland.edu slash fctl to hear additional episodes, leave us feedback, or suggest future topics. We'd love to hear from you.